Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Grain Feed, brought to you by EverAg. This is your weekly news feed for all things grain and all things feed. Each week, we bring you updates on the markets with unique perspectives from an amazing team of analysts with the intention of helping dairy and livestock producers manage their risk. I'm your host, Jim Matthews, reporting from the home office on a festive Friday morning. Joining me today, as always, from Texas, Director of Feed Procurement, Mr. Jake Kingsley, and making his first appearance on the grain feed, native to New York, current resident of Wisconsin, and filming from Illinois, dairy broker and agent Bryce Windecker. Team, how are we today? Pretty good, Jim. A little March Madness this weekend, so doing all right. Doing great. Thanks for having me, gentlemen, and good to be down here in downtown Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> good to have you, Bryce. We're very happy to have both you guys on. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you both, and happy March Madness. Gents, how are the brackets looking? Mm-hmm. Doing okay. A little bit more red on the sheet than I'd like for the first day. We're doing all right. Mine is not well, but we'll be better this weekend, that's for sure. Jake, did you... Pick your alma mater, Kansas State, to go all the way. Well, in one of my other extra brackets, I did. But not in the true competing bracket, I did not. Gotcha. That's too bad. That's too bad. But we'll pull them for them. We'll pull them for them. Um, Team, we got a lot to run through today here as we head into Friday to wrap up this week. The markets themselves have had an interesting little week. So let's dive into that. So, Paige, if you would kindly timestamp the broadcast, it is Friday morning. Happy St. Patty's Day, as we said. The meal market today in Chicago remains under pressure. That stubborn little byproduct we refer to each week has been on a nice little downtrend over the past week or so. So continuing to follow that path lower today. The corn market is steady to slightly lower, but has found some support in the last week. And as Jake, you might touch on here, we've seen some nice purchases from China this week to give us a little bit of support. And also saw the commitment of traders data continue to filter its way through after some of those CFTC delays over the past month or so. But first, let's turn to you, Bryce, and dive into the dairy markets. You've been on a road a bunch the last couple of weeks, including today. What have you been hearing on the dairy markets as of late? Yeah, so it's um, had a lot of interesting information uh, come across to us lately, uh, starting with milk production. Last month here in the U.S., we were up 1.3% versus a year ago, and December was up 0.7%. We expect that to increase slightly in the near term and uh, potentially drop off into the second half of the year. Had the largest dairy cow slaughter, 273,000 here in January with high call rates and expect that people keep calling cows steadily, but rest to be seen. Uh, New Zealand had a poor year last year due to their wet start to their grazing season, but they've been making steady production upward here, 1.2% versus January last year. And then in the EU, just to give everyone an idea, they make 1.6 times the volume that we do here in the States. So any increase in volume over there of milk production is that much more. Germany was up 3.6 from a year ago. The Netherlands up 4.6. And Germany accounts for 25% of the milk production in Europe. And then France was down 1.5, but plenty of milk. 
and not as much demand as we'd like to see with the overall economy uh, slipping here. CPI for February came in at plus 6%, and then restaurant sales were down 2% from last month, as well as grocery sales being down from the prior year. Uh, So people's pockets are definitely getting constrained out there. When we have people not going out to restaurants as much, uh, that's more bearish on butter prices uh, because, you know, when, of course, you got to get your basket of rolls and a little bit of uh, butter with your steak. And when that's not happening, butter isn't getting moved as much. And then we have seen more uh, increase of fast food and frozen pizza sales. So uh, that's definitely helpful for cheese, as seen on the export report for January big export numbers coming across the board for cheese. We're still the cheapest price in the world at this point, and that can be stewed to the minus four to minus $12 spot milk price in the Midwest that we're seeing right now. And just to give everyone an idea about what international prices are doing across the seas, we've got global dairy trade over in New Zealand at $2.05, while Europe is at $1.95. And uh, those prices have come down significantly over the past couple of weeks. So expect that to continue to see our prices have a downward push, as well as dry whey uh, over in Europe is only 33 cents a pound. Uh, and we, we saw that from our import report for January. Our whey and lactose were up over 50% on imports. So we'll expect to see that have a downward pressure on prices as well as butter and powder not performing as well on the global dairy trade here as well. And butter imports were up over 50% from a year ago. So moral of the story, a lot of supply and not quite enough demand. Uh, We did have a really abnormal spike in cheese price over here the past week, but at this point, not hearing any fundamental news or rhyme or reason why that this price has increased so dramatically over the past week. So looking at this opportunity for try to sell into yeah, it's an excellent note there, Bryce, especially that last one there on, I believe it was Tuesday, where we saw you know milk futures then have an impact on that big rally that you noted uh, across dairy. So really interesting move that day, uh, but has not really continued uh, at this point. So we were kind of hoping to see milk prices make their way up as feed prices have been under pressure. But as you noted, maybe time will tell uh, to see if that direction can continue, if there's really any justification behind that. Uh, Real quick, Bryce, you gave us a lot of data there. Being on the road the last week or two, any big takeaways from the dairy producers that you spoke to that you'd like to make note of? Everyone's just seems to be experiencing the same uh, problems moving forward here as far as uh, labor and environmental regulations uh, strapping down, as well as high feed prices and lower milk prices here. There was a really interesting presentation at PDPW in Baraboo, Wisconsin at the beginning of the conference. And they had a really good geopolitical consulting company there. And uh, they were able to give a really good oversight on birth rates and labor forces affecting demand uh, for the future here. So we've got a lot of open jobs here that's going to keep inflation afloat uh, for the time being. 
And, you know, when we look at, you know, who our major exporting agriculture partners are, uh, we're definitely going to be, it's most important for our re- relationship with Mexico uh, because they have enough children and enough workers at this point in time to be uh, able-bodied consumers, whereas China, uh, because of their children limitation laws, that that's going to be affecting them uh, long-term here. So we need to make sure we keep Mexico happy and uh, look for other trading partners besides uh, China uh, moving forward. Okay, very interesting. Thank you, Bryce. And I think we're seeing that on the grain side as well, and we'll transition into uh, Jake on that. But the corn market specifically, the Chinese have this week stepped into purchases of U.S. corn, perhaps providing some support here at the board. But they had been quiet, and I know that long term, they hope to be quieter in terms of U.S. corn purchases. But we're also worried about our relationship with Mexico as well, as you noted, Bryce. So, Jake. Let's use that to turn to you and hear your insights on the cash feed markets here in the U.S. A lot of good information there, Bryce, and and good points on the long-term relationships we've got to deal with here. But as you said, Jim, here just in the last few days, pretty well this week, China has stepped in and been a fairly aggressive buyer of U.S. corn uh, in this old crop window. I think largely as a hedge against what's going on with the dry weather there in Argentina and the potential loss of production that they're dealing with. Um, So like you said, Jim, we've seen that kind of stabilize futures. We've found May and July futures are kind of bottoming out, rounding out a little bit and finding a a bit of support at the uh, 630, 640 level on on the May contract there. And we're seeing the same start to be reflected in the basis portion of that price. We'd seen a drift lower for about oh six weeks, two months or so from the highs. And now we've kind of stabilized this last week or two here. We're probably 30 cents off the highs on average at the rail destinations. Part of that's due to better rail freight and lower fuel costs, but then part of that is due to true basis decline at the origins. So I think it's probably a good buying opportunity. China sure seems to think it's a good buying opportunity. They're coming in here, clipping off some pretty good chunks of purchases. So I don't know that you have to go out and knock out everything through the rest of the crop year, but we've been having folks price out through May at least, and then starting to set some targets, maybe set July futures targets somewhere between $5.90 and $6 for that June, July, August, September portion of your feed usage. And then we're all, I'm starting to hear a, a little bit of chatter from some from some folks down at the Gulf terminals of China coming in and buying some new crop beans already, I think partly as another hedge against what's going on there in Argentina. Brazil's got a really nice crop coming, but we've talked about this. It's going to be, they'll be limited in their ability to get beans down into Argentina to crush them. I mean, they'll have a lot of beans that still go out as as whole beans through the ports and then just go on boats straight to China. So it sounds like maybe there's some early hedging going on of coming in and buying some U.S. products so that if it gets really bad down there or, or worsens compared to where we're at today, they'll have something started taking advantage of, again, this little bit of a dip in the market here. So basis-wise on the protein side, again, old crop's been stagnant for a while. We're still at relatively high values. We're starting to see some new crop numbers pop up there, but again, those are pretty well 
reflecting spot market today and just putting plenty of extra cushion in that for the sellers of these products so that if we do end up seeing export spike or these balance sheets then further then they've got a little bit of something hedged in there for themselves so not a whole lot of activity there but as futures have drifted lower i think we've started we we were being very patient on setting futures on some old crop soybean meal and canola I think we're down here sub 470 on the May contract now. I think we've started having folks plug in targets somewhere in the 450 to 465 range on that stuff to try to get some of that April, May locked up there. And then looking at it, new crop, I think if we dip down into that 410 to $400 range, maybe looking at trying to put some protection on. I don't know about owning the cash product, but starting to think about we're getting close to the planting season. If things go poorly in South America or we get off to a rough start here, that $400 mark might be a pretty good little place to start. So a couple things to think about. Okay. Excellent, Jake. Thank you for that. The The protein side has definitely been very interesting because as you noted, we've been advising folks to sit a little bit patiently on old crop protein. And that has come down fairly significantly. We were pricing May up near 500 bucks a ton as recently as two weeks ago, and are now, yes, sub 470, approaching 465 as we film on Friday morning. So perhaps potentially being rewarded for some of that patience. And then on the flip side for corn, we are essentially trading old crop futures right back up to where we were just a couple of weeks ago. We had that initial Outlook Forum sell-off there at the end of February and then into early March. And there was a lot of chatter of what's next. We make our way down to six bucks. That USDA WASD report made it seem like we indeed were. And then just like that, it's a 30 some odd cent recovery in a one week's time. So we know how volatile these markets can be. That's why we offer the advice and services we do. So we greatly appreciate the insights from both of you gentlemen. A big thanks to Bryce for joining the show. Great to have you for your debut and great insights. We'd also like to thank Corey and the Everag Insights crew for their support. Thank you to Paige for her production magic. And thank you to the viewers for watching the Grain Feed. Contact information is on the screen. We greatly appreciate your feedback. Thanks all for today. We'll see you next time on the Grain Feed. And happy St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) 